What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, June 19th, 2023, and this week's episode, The PFL Steals the Weekend Behind Nganu and Jones. We'll talk about a very stacked weekend in mixed martial arts, UFC, Bellator, and PFL in action. We'll be starting with the middleweight main event at UFC Vegas 75. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news, a lot of fight announcements as summer begins to really flesh out in the latter end of the hot season, and we'll cap off this week by talking about UFC Jacksonville, the featherweight fight between Josh Emmett and Ilya Tupuria. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Double G, how are you doing? Welcome back. It's gloomy. How was the weather where you were this weekend? You know, gloomy as well. Everyone kept telling me, Hotlanta, Hotlanta, Hotlanta. And I swear, it was overcast and a little uh, sprinkly every single day I was there. Mm. Um, so I was like, well, uh, that you know, I definitely did not pack for that. Didn't have an umbrella. <laughs> I had like one jacket for all five days. So I think people started to think I didn't, I don't shower, which was bad, but it was fine. What about you? <laughs> Fine. It was good. It was gloomy all all week, you know, as we know, and gloomy again today, except um, the one day I actually went out and did something. It was really hot on Saturday. Hmm. Um, that's it. Otherwise, good. Just uh, catching up on fights. Ready to talk. Well, I mean, let's get right into it. Uh, let, we're going to start a little bit more chronologically. Uh, UFC on Saturday, Marvin Vittori, Jared Cannonier. Um, five, uh, one... If you told me that they were going to go five rounds, in particular, the way that it played out, I, that was not on the bingo card. I really mm-hmm. would have thought the way they were banging that someone would have gone down much quicker. Credit to the resilience and the toughness of Vittori and Cannoneer. But uh, really, just um, Marvin Vittori had a good start. Rocks Jared early. And while there was, you know, a lot of shots trading back and forth, the power... And the output of Jared Cannonier just really kind of got away from Marvin Vittori. And he was just, long story short, on the wrong side of a bit of a beatdown there. He got his shots in. He certainly was never out of the fight. But as you're watching that and you're watching Jared Cannonier go on to a record most significant strikes in middleweight UFC history. Um, I think that it says just about everything you need to say about how the fight played out. Um, I was impressed that uh, Jared really discouraged the grappling of Marvin. We talked about it, that that might be the big X factor that kind of seals the deal. Um, Jared defends and Marvin really just got discouraged and didn't really go for it with more urgency as that fight went on. And really, it just kept the story of the fight just seemed to be Marvin trying to find his spots, but eating too many shots along the way. What about you? It was a very good fight, back and forth, even though Cannoneer had pretty much in a, a striking, well, not pretty much, a clear striking advantage almost the entire fight, breaking that record. I was impressed by both fighters for two different reasons. Jared Cannoneer was cardio king. I mean, I've never seen him move so much so well and not get tired. And yeah, of course, we were not expecting this to go all the way and and to play out the way it did. But with the physique that he has, all the muscle that he carries, I I would never have expected him to be able to to have such amazing cardio. So 
he's been putting in in good work there and the combinations that he was throwing the whole fight i mean cardio and combos that that was the big takeaway for me i was extremely impressed with him and he wasn't even tired at the end of it man he looked fine <laughs> like he had a little mouse under one eye the left eye or excuse me the right eye and, and that's it let's look at marvin Vittori's face it was bloodied beaten cut on the bridge of the nose cut under the eye swollen what i learned from him though is that he is tough as heck i mean could he take a punch cannoneer can put out almost anyone couldn't put marvin vittori out even with breaking the striking record that's got to tell you something about vittori's toughness the chin on him it almost a little bit too tough for his own good right because he's just eating shot after shot after shot until the very end but it was an exciting fight I loved uh, the coaching advice from was Jim Crouch at the very end, uh, right before round five. He says footwork, discipline, and violence. That's that's beautiful. Like I, I loved it, and that pretty much sums up the whole performance from Jerry Cannonier. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, it was just such a great fight I, in that way. Um, full credit to the toughness. I thought that they. Uh, uh, let's just say, leading up to the fight, people were a little uh, underwhelmed by the lineup. It kind of felt like, you know, this is Jared and Marvin and then everybody else. Uh, a few highlights on there, but, you know, people kind of felt like, uh, maybe going to do something else this UFC event I saw people talking about. And instead, if you tuned in, you got a really, not just main event, but decent night of fights. But obviously capped off by a great performance for Jared. Uh, looked fantastic. I think looked even better than he did against Sean Strickland, which is saying something. Um, look, solid fight. And now we talk about, obviously, what comes next. So Jared really just, uh, I don't know if you saw the post-fight presser, but really drew that line in the sand, said, I want a title shot. I want another shot at it. Um, I believe, you know, he, he's getting up there, right? And he sees, you know... I don't want to say the finish line. I, he clearly said he's feeling good, looked great out there. But there's not too many of these let me work my way up the ladder kind of runs for him, right? It's okay. kind of like that Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, um, Michael Chandler, good time, not a long time anymore. Right. Jared, uh, so look, he's lost to Adesanya. He lost to Whitaker, but it has been some distance now since that fight and you know, had wins, had losses in that span. I did, one, let, let me just say, let's say that Dracus isn't ready for, um, or or Robert for Sydney. Mm -hmm. I don't see Jared Cannonier getting that fight. What I will say, and I, I heard this brought up, and he himself did throw a bucket of cold water on it. I do feel like if you are going to Test Hamsat Shemaev at 185, Jared Cannonier now became the guy. Mm -hmm. I, I think that Jared just, if you're Adesanya and you're looking at this, if you're the other guys, I mean, every way I kind of cut that pie, I just don't see Jared getting one of these guys ranked above him. I don't see, you know, Rob running it with him if he can get a title shot. Dracus obviously has his eye on the, you know, the Battle of Africa, so to speak. Um, all of this stuff going on. So I do feel like if I'm going to say Jerry Kananir has earned his big fight, he's proven he, he's the, at least for right now, number three guy at middleweight. I would say, all right, let's see how you do with Hamza. 
And after that, when you've beaten Strickland, Vittori, and Hamzat back-to-back-to-back, okay, I can maybe see an argument for title fight or title eliminator at the least. Outside of that, because he did throw a book of the water and say, I know everyone likes Hamzat, but is Hamzat getting me a title shot? Is it, you know, is it actually going to propel me forward? Because if not, he's not interested. Mm-hmm. Well, quite bluntly, a different fight is not available right now. So I would say the Hamzat fight is the only one that makes sense. If UFC and everybody else has other plans, then we're just in a sit and wait. Maybe Abus Magomedov, uh, you know, shocks Sean Strickland next week. And then you talk about Magomedov and Cannoneer. Okay, that's a possibility, but... Right this minute, I just don't see another middleweight out there if he doesn't want Hamsa. What about you? I agree. The other top five fighters or four fighters are booked or, yeah, and are about to be or in talks to be. And so I think that's a good option for him. It's, you know, in quotation, it's like a, a big money fight without actually getting the big money, right? Because I don't think Jerry Cannonier can get his contract revised to fight Hamzat, but it's going to give him the exposure of a, you know, big and big ish money fight. Hamzat's a name, you know, and, and there's, there's the mystique and the hype and Cannonier can capitalize on that. If he gets in there and shuts it down and he looked great against Vittori, but you know, Vittori's not as fast as, as Hamzat or some of these other top, top guys. So it's not going to be a, a cakewalk, but it's a fight that I want to see. I think that's the number one on my list here, considering how everybody else is already, you know, locked up. Not for nothing, you think about the game of Hamzat, just how much more emphasis there is on getting the fight to the mat. You know, he just fights very differently from a lot of those guys at middleweight. Um, I also thought if Paulo Costa beats Ikram at, on the BMF card in late July... That could be a potential one for Cannoneer if we're kind of waiting a minute. So, yeah, those are the only two that, to me, make sense. And if it's not, then it's going to be that, you know, you're just going to have to wait and figure it out. Or you're going to have to take one of these low-ranked guys, even if you don't like it. Because that's just how all the pieces are laid out right now, middleweight. But he didn't, you know, he's not in a bad spot. He had a great performance that... I'll say this, I think Jared in this moment is a high-risk, low-reward fight for a lot of those top middleweights. Yeah, He's dangerous, he's good, but you kind of feel like because his place in the title picture, you're not really competing with him right this minute for a title shot, so you can probably, you know, look for a better style matchup or wait for something rather than have to go through him to get to Izzy or whoever holds it later. So, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Uh, look, we had some decent highlights. Um, Armin Sarukian, you know, that fight with Islam Mahachev for him just keeps aging like wine when you watch him. <laughs> um, he obviously had another win. He had that great fight with uh, Mateusz Gamrot, which I thought was one of the more like, it was the kind of like, if you, like Dana White always says, if you don't know, now you know. Mm-hmm. No, really, those two guys got after it. And then that's just only bumped up Armin. And, you know, he's that guy that a lot of people feel like, you know, give him a minute. He's probably going to be that next of the new guard that replaces the Poiriers and the Gaethys and all of them in a couple years, right? Right, yeah. He looked fantastic, ate a big shot, went on to dominate, looked well-rounded, fast, strong, 
can grapple, can strike. Um, no notes other than the fact that I want to highlight this guy is looking more and more like the next wave coming up to replace the guard at lightweight. What about you? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking as well. And the performance had all the drama that we're used to seeing from these top current big names like Charles Oliveira, you know, almost out, rallying back, and then finishing in brutal fashion. So he's, he's you know, checking all the boxes there for, uh, for stepping into the, into the roles, like you said. And, um, man, that finishing sequence, I don't know if you call it a sequence, really. It was just brutality. It was like fighting for the last plate of food <laughs> in a, you know, like a French cave prison you don't think like count of monte cristo kind of thing like they're just like in the it's just i mean you could see in his face he was going to kill or be killed it was brutal so the man is willing to give it all and uh it's going to be fun to see him continue to to climb the the ladder there in 155 which is still you know the one of the heaviest um how do you say the most, most stacked most yeah, loaded most stacked, yeah. yeah division I don't know. All the bantamweights get mad when we say that. Well, but, you, know what? you know, okay, That's I will say more stars at lightweight, but I maybe will say a couple, a little bit more parity and competitiveness at bantamweight. I'll say it like that. Like when you look at the top five, all of those guys outdraw for the most part the bantamweights. That's not to say they're not all fun, but I think that just the way that, you know, the star power behind a lot of these guys. Anyway, to talk about it, um, Armin did kind of try to throw down the gauntlet with Michael Chandler. Let me tell you something. Michael Chandler will not be taking any phone calls unless it's the one that says Conor McGregor is actually out. Right. So, right. sorry, Armin. You're gonna, it's going to be a minute. I don't hate the Benil Dariush fight. I kind of like it. So, it might just be, though, Benil, I feel like, is maybe a regrouping and... Let's be real. Armin Sarukin is a dangerous fight. He may want to see, like, maybe the loser of Gaethje and Poirier before he starts talking like that. So we'll wait and see. But there's going to be options for Armin, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Manuel Torres. Uh, I was going to just move on to the other stuff, but that elbow deserves an honorable mention. It does. <laughs> Dang. That, you know, every now and then, you know, there's, like, good, great, nasty. Mm-hmm. That was nasty. Oof. Yeah, that was. And he came out with, you know, nasty intentions, the way he was throwing that front kick and that lean and the bend in his back when he throws that kick, like freaking Dalsam from Street Fighter, man. I was like, wow, that guy's flexible. He was he was doing well, but he got caught a little bit and got angry. I think somebody in the commentary called it out like, oh, he's mad now. He didn't like that. I mean, that was a vicious elbow, dude. It was fast and hard. It was like throwing a, a a fastball pitch with your elbow from your elbow. You know what I mean? It was. Oh like, yeah. Whew. Yeah. That's crazy dude. Yeah, just sent him to the shadow realm. Nice yep, one. Yep. <laughs> Look, I know there's gonna be. It's always the bigger names that get it. That's a knockout of the year kind of elbow. Like I said, bigger stars will probably take it, but come on, give the man his due. Yeah. It was sure. good. Um, look, obviously, it, it was a fun night, objectively. I know that people, I get it. When you talk about tuning in for these cards, particularly for even the hardcore fans, and we talk about it all the time, you know, how many people watch the full fight cards, how many people watch every main event every week with the amount of schedule. 
objectively, it was a good night of fights. I thought there were good finishes throughout. There were good performances. A little controversy earlier in the night. Some refs making some uh, calls that affected like the Dan Argetta fight. Mm -hmm. So objectively, good broadcast. I do get it. Not as many ranked names and guys that maybe got you like, oh, man, like summer vacation. I'm going to spend my Saturday night watching UFC, you know? So I, res I appreciate that. But it was a good night of fights overall, which we don't say about all of them. That's true. <laughs> let's uh, get into it. So let's talk about some Bellator. So big results. Vadim Nemkov uh, outlasted Yoel Romero. It was one of those, obviously, Yoel is Yoel, right? He's kind of like the Dan Henderson of the new generation. Olympic wrestler, all this stuff, but really, it's just physicality. He's big, he's strong, he's explosive, and he's still got that one shot could take you out power any given night. However, it kind of becomes a, a little bit, okay, you know, he manages his energy. He's not throwing these beautiful combos and moving like Adesanya. Yeah. He's got the grenade and he's got the shotgun and he just uses them interchangeably, but he doesn't have any pistols or any other guns in his uh, arsenal, right? Mm -hmm. Vadim Nemkov, you know, maybe not as explosive, but more well-rounded, more versatility to his game. Outlasted Yoel. Took a big shot. You know, obviously you don't just walk through a guy like Yoel Romero, no matter who you are. Um, but he outlasted it for the win. Um... Once again, like when we talk about, and we could touch on it again, you brought it up last week, the sale of Bellator. Yeah. This is why it still has value. When you look at a guy like Vadim, the guys in the co-main event, which we'll talk about, the Johnny Eblins out there, Ryan Bader's still got gas in the tank, everyone at Bantamweight lighting it up. Um, you know, all, all of this, you know, Usman Nurmagomedov and AJ McKee lightweight. This is why it's not just like, oh, you know, and we'll talk about where they kind of got lost in the shuffle maybe this week. Behind guys like Vadim, there's still so much talent that you got to appreciate at Bellator. But now let's address kind of the elephant in the room with what's next. Vadim looked good, beat a big name in Yoel, but now it's kind of like he swept the board at light heavyweight. Corey Anderson, Phil Davis, you know, all, all of this stuff. You know, he made it to the end of the Grand Prix. He beat the other guys out there. There's not really another contender for him at 205 that he was even talking about. I think I got to move up to lightweight because I've already beaten everybody. Now it's, you know, like there's just nobody new for Vadim. Yeah. And I, and I want to ask you a little bit about that. Just like, okay, you where do you go with a guy like this? Do you feel like, hey, just stay at your optimal weight class? Or do you feel like, you know, go be all you can be if that's what you want? I think go be all you can be because you want to build up the names, keep building up the names as much as you can. You know, Brian Bader really made himself who he is when he went to Bellator and challenged, you know, in two date weight classes, won the belts, won the tournament. You know, that picture with the three belts when all you ever had in the UFC was people with two belts, right? Right. He made his, that's how he got most famous. And so I think it's, Bellator offers that flexibility. You have to take advantage of it because their divisions just aren't deep enough. And if you're extra dominant, then, you know, you're kind of just looking around like Chris Cyborg and you don't want to re be fighting the same people over and over again. 
make a challenge for yourself. They can make a new poster, you know, do whatever they can. And then looking forward, forward, if PFL does end up acquiring Bellator, okay, that opens up things a lot more and gives fighters from both promotions a chance to really test themselves more. And so go for it, move up a weight class, do what you got to do. And then, you know, keep an eye on the, the PFL situation, too, and, and see how that shakes out. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I do see an opportunity where these guys will get some more shots down the line. But I acknowledge, once again, it's all waiting. You know, you got to wait for um, what are we going to find out? Is there gonna, are there going to be more names? Are there gonna, is there going to be more parody? Um, for a guy like Nemkov, who's already done it all, yeah, like we, we talk about this, like what else, what else is there for him to prove at two o five? Because I don't think that he really has anything else anymore, and I think that's just where we're at. I got nothing else to add to that except that um, I hope he finds it because I do not want to see him waste what is clearly the prime years of his career and everything else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there we go. Um, Sergio Pettis looked good. Um, I, I mean, I think he had a one. He clearly took the time he needed from the knee injury, I believe it was, that took him out of the Grand Prix. Beats Patricio Pitbull, who, I mean, I think everyone could kind of say that was not the Patricio we're used to. I know he's a small featherweight, but that guy was just drawn out at Bantamweight. I don't think he had a little bit of the pop. I think he lost that. One, some power. Two, the physicality. You know, I think that had he been more filled out, like if this fight's at 145, I don't think Sergio gets it done quite the way he does. I think that Pitbull kind of rolled the dice on maybe his skills being able to carry him past the natural weight that was Sergio. Um, and instead, Sergio Pettis kind of just does his thing for the victory. And which is no small feather in his cap. This is arguably the most talented fighter that he's ever bested overall when you look at his whole career now for Sergio obviously this sets up a big fight with Patchy Mix once again we're talking about the value of Bellator right um I think it's only great to have him back in you know no pun intended the mix with all the guys (laughs) that they have at 135 yeah but now I'm gonna actually use this to segue into another topic Bellator had a fantastic doubleheader. You know, you also were bolstered by Corey Anderson, you know, Phil Davis. But now we just have this very blunt thing. Did Bellator do enough to get you invested on a weekend where you also had PFL and UFC? And I'll leave it to you on that one. Well, no, they didn't. They did not, and we kind of knew that going into it because a Yoel Romero fight for me is still a big deal. You know, like I'm still like, oh, he's fighting. Okay, let's see what he's going to do. And Sergio Pettis fighting Pitbull is also a really big deal. You know, very few big name fighters drop down in weight. You know, we've seen Jose Aldo do it and Dillashaw do it. You know, Jose Aldo did it successfully, but he always looked, drawn out too at 135 but he performed fine really well actually dj dillashaw obviously tried it once looked terrible physically and then we know was cheating anyway so um so this is a big thing you want to give your one of your big stars like pitbull 
the acclaim that he needs, that he should have for taking on this challenge. And Sergio Pettis is a big name too. So, yeah, it, it, they didn't do enough. But I don't know if I'm the, I might be an outlier fan as a fan because I'm, you know, this was Father's Day weekend. I had like the mom thing. Like, you know, there's other things. So I'm, I'm my, my personal excuses versus how I was before all that. Um, you know, if this was pre my son. I, I probably would have watched it all, uh, you know, live as it was coming. So, you know, I don't want to poo, poo on Bellator too much because, you know, my brain is, is really split in ways that it wasn't beforehand. So um, that being said, though, like if they had been doing more, look, here's what I always do. I always check. I'm, I'm always checking like MMA fighting uh, website regularly. And there wasn't a lot of noise there beforehand so like they need to do a bigger push with the outlets that that are always you know the most popular ones mma junkie fighting cage side press like all the other ones they weren't doing anything enough well thank you very much <laughs> but it's true though they weren't doing enough right i mean yeah. i don't know yeah so uh, i think that um and i'm gonna use it when we talk about the next one so there were some parts to it that I acknowledge may be a little more difficult. For example, when you do a press conference, uh, you know, Vadim Nemkov does not speak English. Yoel Romero still sometimes uses a translator. I think he knows what to play up on camera, does Yoel Romero. Um, but the fact is, the language barrier makes it harder to do those face-to-face, hype-up-the-fights kind of encounters, right? That's true. Now, I... All this nonsense with the scared of heights thing for Yoel. I've heard this was a thing. Like, he fought in Chicago before for UFC, and he still was, like, videotaped, very afraid to do the that tower with the glass floor and all that. Yeah. Okay, I mean, maybe we... Let's be real. There's a good chance it got more attention with him not being there than him being there. For that reason. And you do the photo with the... That's true. Vadim with the TV screen. <laughs> Uh, you know, okay, you know, we're getting creative. I still think Yoel should have stood up, zoom out the camera. That way it looks more like a face-off, but whatever. Um, Sergio and Pitbull. One thing about Pitbull, he's not really as much of a talker. I do think he's a little bit like that. You know what? I'm staying in Brazil until fight week, and then I'm going to fly over, handle business, and go straight home, which is perfectly fine. Yep. But when you're talking about, hey, you know, argue this is probably going to be their last like this is their most loaded event probably until whatever they do in august september that's really really you know like you know i think it's a tough way to like have a leaping off point because now it's like okay well bellator maybe gets forgotten and then they're not going to be back for a minute right Mm -hmm. i'm going to segue with pfl I know there was a bit of talk, if I'm being real with you, one of the best things for PFL is being on the same broadcast partner as UFC. Yeah. Not just because it's a big brand like ESPN. That is inherently, obviously positive. But when I look at it, if you are an MMA fan, this you already know you can go to the same place for UFC. You're already paying for it. You already mm-hmm. know how it works. You already know how to navigate it. You know how to search things there. You know how it's going to look. You know how it's going to work in terms of replays and what have you, on demand, all this other stuff. I think that that actually helps PFL 
on a weekend like this where they were head-to-head with Bellator. You just go fire up the same thing you do. You don't have to go somewhere different. And if I'm being real with you, the pacing has improved drastically for PFL. Yeah. All of that together hurt Bellator making that splash as much as they should have because this was objectively a great triple header for them Mm -hmm. at the top of the card in Chicago. So when you talk about the sale, when you talk about all of that, like I said, this isn't, you know, there's it's not like there's no lifeblood in Bellator. They have great talent that I think if anything, it's these little things just starting to add up. Like the whole is greater than the sum of the parts when you're talking about all these little things for Bellator. And I think that's unfortunate because you still have great fights with great talent that could take it to anybody in the world on any given night. But once again, we talk about why couldn't they get my attention? And it was like, uh, you know, it just felt like you weren't giving me enough. So things just, you know, it never popped like the souffle yeah. never popped in the oven. Mm-hmm. Counterpoint that. Well, do you have anything to add to that? No, I agree. Because <laughs> I'm going to counter that with look what happened for PFL. All of this was strategic, but it worked out more beautifully than anyone could have imagined. Um Let's address the elephant in the room, or let's just say the heavyweights in the, you know, African savanna, two lions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, John Jones is co- coaching Maurice Green in the main event against PFL's defending champion, not for nothing. And Francis Ngannou is also in attendance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to just tell you right now, they, they let us know, oh, yeah, he's going to be here. They're going to be there. Do whatever you guys do, do your thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone knew all the... Let me tell you something. I was out cage side. As John is walking behind Maurice, Francis is sitting there cage side. And you have fans saying, John, he's right there. You know, like, (laughs) uh, let's be real. They cared more about John not fighting Ngannou probably than they did Maurice fighting Antti. Which is unfortunate, but let's be real. It's John Jones. It's Francis Ngannou. Yeah. Going forward... You know, they have their face-to-face. I think I sent you the link. um, Yes, yes. Which I'm going to just pat myself on the back. It is the second most viewed video in the history of Cage Side Press. I was going to ask, was that you holding the phone? Of course. Oh, man. (laughs) Great seat, isn't it? Oh, man, it's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, By now, I'm sure you probably heard about it. I'm the king. No, I'm the king. John is, you know, feeling Francis' muscles. Francis yep. sees that John is not, does not have abs right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, we could have found out, and Francis saying, "Yeah, we could have found out, and I could have missed out on a several million. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what do you What do you think I'm gonna feel bad that you, we couldn't get it done? Right. Um, John, I had to take the time to make weight to fight you, and uh, you know, they were respectful, but then. There was clearly the saving face. No one wants to come out of that looking like they, you know, like Henry Cejudo would say, bent the knee, Mm -hmm. conceded to the other man. But there's this understanding, we're not going to fight right here and we're not going to fight in general. So, what's up, dude? Hello. (laughs) Go, you do you, I'll do me. And that's essentially what it boiled down to. What did you think? It It was kind of funny, man, because... You know, I they're two. They couldn't be more different, right? Human beings, and and you kind of saw it there. Francis and his 
his African garb looking, you know, regal and Jones, John Jones looking ready to work, right? Because he's there in the corner. He's got his black glove on, gloves on. And I think if I'm reading the body language, John Jones was trying his best to be intimidating. You know, Pat kept touching him and touching him. But I don't think Francis Ngannou was uh, shaken by it at all. Um, it was he was just calm and cool. And he just kept saying, yeah, respect, you know, respect. I liked that approach. Uh, and John Jones sort of realized that Nganu wasn't going to bite. And so he was like, yeah, okay, respect. But then he kept squeezing him. He was trying, man. He was trying to get a rise out of him. It wasn't going to happen. So, um, the, my favorite part was when Jones is like, you don't want, you don't want the smoke. And Francis is like, what? What did you say? <laughs> like, I don't want the smoke. I don't want the what? Uh, repeat, please. Oh, the smoke. Oh, no, I want all the smoke, he says. <laughs> it was funny, man. It was funny. It was cool. It was kind of scary because, you, I mean, you're standing right there. Are you thinking like, you know, are you reading the body language that Francis Ngannou is not going to react or are you worried that they could pop? Or I mean, what's going on in your head? I mean, I'm watching that. I know very clearly nothing's about to pop off. Ray Sefo, president of Fighter Operations, former... Okay, he's kind of had his heyday before I got into it. I yeah. think glory champion. He used to kick butt, is my yeah. point. And yeah. a nice guy. Uh-huh. But it's like very clearly nothing's going to go off. Um, we I asked Francis bluntly about an hour before at a scrum. Uh-huh. Uh, John Jones is here. If you guys pass by, and he's like, in that very, you know how John, no, sorry, you know how Francis talks. Mm-hmm. No, it is nothing personal. Yeah, you know he's so <laughs> calm, and I'm like, yeah, nothing's gonna happen tonight. No, mind you, had they just started like pushing and shoving, oh, the crowd would have gone wild. Yep, they would have rioted if you don't just throw them in the cage right there. You know, free pay-per-view for, for the sure, people. Man. But th- that's the point is I didn't think so. It was certainly very cool. You could feel the energy. You see it in the clip. The ring girls are getting up there with their <laughs> cell phones. It's like, oh, it was great scenes. You have the benefit. Well, it's not necessarily a, quote, uniform. The corners are all wearing their PFL shirts. Right. John Jones in a PFL shirt exactly. facing off with Nganu. Yep. Great business, isn't yes. it? Yeah, man. Um, that being said, they got it done. They stole the weekend. That is the most watched clip on PFL's account. It is, you know, like almost a million views. Um, like I said, my numbers did well. I saw, you know, we were fourth... In between, uh, Mac Life and MMA Fighting also had very highly viewed clips, you know, of the same interaction. Um, these are the things that PFL is doing that are running away from Bellator. Yeah. And I think that this is all well done. Now, mind you, um, let, let's recap some quick results. Anti had a knee injury. He couldn't fight in the first regular season run in Vegas. I'm not going to lie. It felt like he was uh, almost there to get Maurice out of there. Takes the decision. Not for nothing. He hurt his knee. He said he can't come back to the tournament even as a replacement. He's going to take the time to get it right. Good for him. You know, I'm proud that he got out there and fought on a bad knee. He said he hurt it in the first round. But, okay. You now have three defending champions. One got eliminated. One popped for, uh, in, you know, banned substances. Yeah. And then yeah. the other one didn't get points. Okay, 
Um, to talk a few more results, uh, Larissa Pacheco just blitzed Amber Leibrock. Just really d- stepped on the neck and just kept stomping kind of oh. deal, you know? Just really got it away from her. Um, you had a couple other ones. Hennen Ferreira is still in there for the heavyweights. Dennis Goldsov, who's been the previous points leader in the heavyweight tournament. He's in the playoffs. Um, you know, you have a good amount of parity going into the second half of the year now for them. That being said, we've talked about it. The There's Nganu and Jake and everything else. Right. And then now you have several stars. There are still big names in the playoffs, but several stars now for different reasons out of the tournament. And not for nothing, all of this with the guys popping for drugs. Mm-hmm. Can PFL pull this back together and really finish the year strong is what I'm going to ask you. The thing about this is I'm like the names, even the the champion, except, you know, Brendan Lockman, but I feel like some of the other names are still not so big that you can't just replace one with the, with the other. You know, I feel like right now in PFL, some fighters are not replaceable. Kayla Harrison, uh, you know, Jake Paul, I guess, hasn't even fought yet, but Pacheco, and, and Pacheco, yeah, yeah, I would give her, I would give it to her now for sure. Yeah. Um, and then Ganu obviously is not going to fight yet either. Most of them, no offense, are kind of replaceable. So I think of PFL as most. When I think of it, I mostly think of watching fighters I don't know or barely know competing for this big, big prize. So the the red mark of having all your all these fighters busted for using steroids is bad. If you extract that from the final product of this season, whatever it will be, it's still kind of like the same to me. I, I won't I won't be watching it feeling like, oh man, I'm missing out because so and so popped for steroids. Um, I'll, I'll still just feel kind of like, yeah, okay, I'm just watching guys that I'm not too familiar with fighting, and it's a good show. It's a good, you know, they put on a good show. So I don't think it's gonna be a huge, huge knock on them um, as far as the finished product goes at the end of the season. So one thing I will tell you from a media standpoint, they have overhauled and quite bluntly are in overdrive in their their efforts to promote the men and women. Okay. I mean, really, like from a media standpoint, if you ask people, they'll tell you what PFL does to get everybody out there is far and beyond UFC, Bellator, one. Um, and mind you, you know, may, one, UFC doesn't need it, right? Everyone right. and their mom wants to talk to their guys. So I also acknowledge there's a reason, you know, there's a reason things are done differently at all the houses. That being said, the way that... Um, yeah, I, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. It's not easy to pinpoint why isn't, you know, why isn't it different for PFL than what you just pointed out. Because there's a lot of fans who I know, they just feel bluntly quite like you. There's mm-hmm. UFC and there's everybody else to so many fans. I just watch UFC or I watch everything. There is no strictly, I just watch PFL, I just watch Bellator. I have heard a theory, there are some people that say, I only watch one championship if you're in Asia. That is 
slightly possible regionally, but I'm not sure about that either. My point of this is that when you have an entity like the UFC that really doesn't go out of their way to acknowledge the other promotions as having talent as on the level of their fighters. Right. That is a very... It's just like David and Goliath, man. Mm. You give Goliath... Sorry, you give David really good swords, a really super-powered slingshot with all the skill points like a video game, he's still taking on freaking Goliath. (laughs) You know? And obviously, David won that fight, if I'm not mistaken, um, by decision or something like that. (laughs) Referee got involved. But my point is that there's not a easy answer what does pfl got to do you're taking on a very big monstrous machine that just takes the air out of the room you know guys in ufc like you have guys non-champions like jens pulver has a bourbon deal for crying out loud he hasn't fought in years he does the twitch stream he has his own spirit and alcohol i don't know that there are guys in the other companies with that kind of pull right yeah this is what you're up against. Now, in regards to what you're saying, here's how I see it. And this is one of those, it's not necessarily my problem, but as an outsider looking in, this is what I see. They spent big money for Jake and Nganu. You got to think Tiago Santos was worth a pretty penny. You got to think some of these other veterans, um, you know, I know they paid well for Cedric Dumbe, who unfortunately got uh, hurt um, and isn't fighting this week. All of these things, yes, you're drafting great talent. You're finding good ones. I mean, Ray Cooper was clearly a steal. Yeah. Uh, Sadabusi. Obviously, Kayla Harrison was that center, you know, the centerpiece of everything. All of these things, you know, you you found good talent. You're drafting new talent. You have the Challenger Series, PFL Europe. All of this stuff does add up. But when you talk about can you convert that into weekly viewership can you convert that into genuine attention and all of this from the fan base if the answer is no it starts becoming is pfl overpaying and that is very very you know it's a very real question it's a very scary one i'm sure if you're pfl you're hearing about this oh buying bellator yes but they're trying to get investors so they can afford it right so all of this is together is to say, I, from a business standpoint, I do worry about, you know, like everyone, could the bag kind of pop from the bottom? That being said, they are doing a lot of things to that should be making headway. It's just got to finally convert on it. It's kind of like stealing the ball, but not converting it into points in one of the ball sports, basketball or football. Yeah. That's what they're doing. They're st- getting steals but they're not making the layup on the other end yeah and that's what this kind of feels like you're doing all this but it's not turning into this demand to see the pfl guys if it's not a jake and ganu or certain select men and women you know it's true it you know they're in the make money spend spend money money to make money phase and they're spending big and you know they know that they need to just keep borrowing and and i i do believe if this all comes together the bellator move it's a smart move it's gonna build up their roster and bring new talent you know seasoned talent that will be new to pfl it's it's gonna be the best thing for for mma 
I really do believe that. I don't think we're going to suffer by losing um, one promotion in the U.S. Because when they come together, it's going to be a true competitor to the UFC, which is awesome. I think that will be uh, really beneficial for the fighters, for the fans. But yes, right now, that hasn't happened yet. Right now, we're, we're still just waiting for it to pop. And there's all this promise of big fights, and we're, we're being kept interested by these little, little big moments like the Nganu Jones video that you shot. Those are the things that are getting us to stay interested. So it's smart. They have to keep feeding the machine, and they're doing that. Um, but they have to stay smart and, and make sure to pay, pay it off so that we're not just feeling like all we got was a bunch of you know Instagram videos and we never saw the big fights we wanted to see. Like the Clarissa Shields thing, I was really excited when she joined PFL. I watched her two fights, and you know I think that has more to do with her realizing it's not it's she's gonna have to abandon boxing completely to be successful in in MMA. But you know they look Bellator did it with Scott Coker, getting the big names initially to just get eyeballs, and PFL's doing it too. But they're being smarter about it because they're getting younger people, more athletic people. Um, all, all of this is to say that, you know, it hasn't popped yet, but I think it will, especially if they sign, if they, if they acquire Bellator. So to go back to it, whether or not the Bellator thing happens, that's probably a talk for another day, but I do acknowledge how would you run it? Would you run them both? Would you just condense it into one? I acknowledge all of these things. Um, in short, I think that PFL can have a very strong back half of the season you just really got to... Okay, like, for example, the anticipation they built during the week. Don't be afraid to lean into that a little sooner. Like, get people to be like, oh, on this night coming up, you're going to see this, we're going to have this. Make it feel like a big event. Make people feel like, is there a big event going on that I'm not paying attention to? Yeah. Because I think that's the one thing. Some of these things happen too quick, and it's like, fans are already... In their mind, I'm not going to stop my routine to watch PFL. Of course. There, yeah. I think you can get past that. I think you just got to lay the seeds out a little sooner. That would be my biggest thing. They're clearly not afraid to go for it. I just think that's what's got to happen if you are PFL. Um, and then Bellator, if you're going to do the same thing, you got to just go tit for tat with them. Try to get the names. Try to get that attention. Um Quick note on the Clarissa Shields thing. While I agree with you a little bit, I'm glad that she's not doing MMA. It's kind of like I said it. I don't want to see Floyd Mayweather do jiu-jitsu. <laughs> yeah. I want to see this man box. Why? Because he's Floyd Mayweather. He knows yeah. how to box better than, you know, 98% of the boxers ever. So and, Yeah, she's that for sure in, her, in, her, in the women's world. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, while... I get it. There weren't opportunities, so you were trying to be all you can be and make some money and get attention. I'm glad she's getting these big fights now. I'm glad they're like, oh, they're promoting the Clarissa Shields fight like they promote other fights. I'm glad for Amanda Serrano. She hasn't fought or grappled in months. Why? Because she's finally getting some big freaking boxing money. Yeah. And paydays and attention. I love it. I want that for them. I don't want them to be out here grappling when clearly what they were put on earth to do is be as great as boxers as they are. Yep. That's what I want for them. So, 
you know, I'll leave it at that. But uh, th that's just how I've always felt about it. If I don't see Clarissa in MMA again, that's a good thing. <laughs> but anyway, um, look, like I said, a uh, strong second half, one more regular season. You got Olivier Mercier, Aubin Mercier, Sadabusi, Clay Collard. You know, you got some good stuff coming up. Magomed, Magomed Karimov. Um, you got a decent amount of talent going into the final event and then playoffs start in august which we'll discuss at a later time but hopefully it turns out and we get a nice good final grouping and then playoffs let's just get a roll in uh, late summer when ufc slows down <laughs> let's talk about fight announcements we're gonna breeze through them so let's get started uh you kind of dana white did another one of these things i kind of like it i even also acknowledge i kind of like the whole like shock drop of the news like Beyonce. Like, yeah, he tells you, like, hey, I'm going to go live in 30 minutes. And everyone's like, wait, where's my phone? Can I go on lunch break? Can I this and that? He never does it like, you know, hey, tomorrow at one. It's like, hey, I'll be going on in like 12 minutes. Just be ready. And it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, let's start with the first one. Corey Sanhagen, Umar Nurmagomedov, August 5th, coming up, Nashville, Corey Beat Cheeto in March. Umar, undefeated 16-0. Four UFC victories. Um, Marab Devalishvili is hurt. I know Henry Cejudo is still chirping. The fact is, I like that the ball is still rolling. Corey wants a big fight. Stay active. This is obviously a huge opportunity for Umar. He is in that... He is a high-risk, low-reward contender because he hasn't had as many fights in the game at Bantamweight in the UFC. So this is huge, stylistically a fun fight. When you talk about Bantamweight, will we, when will we get Aljo and O'Malley? Aljo moving up, Marab comes back, Henry Cejudo sees opportunity. I like that Corey Sanhagen is staying active because I do feel like this guy is right up there with Marab to be knocking back on the door of getting back to a title shot. So I'm just ready for it. I like it. What about you? Yeah, I like it too. This is a great fight. I mean, Corey looked awesome against Cheeto Vera, which I did not expect. I expected a good fight between the both of them, but I didn't expect it to be so one-sided. He was just dominant. And, you know, Umar's doing the the Dagestani thing, which is has yet to be, um, you know, the puzzle that has yet to be solved. So this is a really good fight, man. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think it'll be good. High stakes. You got to think we'll have a little more uh, clarity to the future of uh, the timeline for o O'Malley and uh, Aljo. So I think it comes at a great time. Second one, Max Holloway, Korean Zombie, Chan Sung Jung, August 26th, uh, fight night main event in Singapore. So getting a little international for a fight night, which is always fun. Holloway is obviously coming off that victory over Arnold Allen. The Korean zombie has not fought since losing to Volkanovski. And, you know, there's been some indication, you know, it's like, hey, he's probably going to retire after one more. And, I mean, this is kind of it, right? Last one more big fight, done a lot of great things in his career. For Max, what I love about it, when you look at his career, he's been... Like all the featherweights except Volkanovski. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you just look at it, it's like, no, really, like, I know we talked about it, not 1A and 1B, now they're 1 and 2, but look how good number 2 still is. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think that's great. Stylistically could be a fun fight. For Korean Zombie, it's like, you've given so much. I remember when he 
burst onto the scene and it was like oh my god who is this dude right dana white has the t-shirt um you just hope he has one more good night for himself so he could be at peace with how much he did you know didn't win the big one for the title but got so many fans behind his style so that's just what i want to see what about you yeah this is a great matchup for sure max holloway asked for it and i think if you're korean zombie and you are thinking about, you know, walking off into the sunset and this opportunity comes in front of you, you jump at it because Max Holloway's a legend and it would be legend versus legend. And, you know, they're just going to want to stand and bang and that's going to put on a great show. And, you know, whatever happens is going to be, you know, the outcome, whatever the outcome is, it's going to be a great moment for the fans, for MMA and everything. So great freaking matchup. And I mean... That's it. Is it? Yeah, in Singapore. Okay, main event. That so might happen like middle of the night our time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Or, or well, yeah. Sometimes they give it to us like early in the morning, like at eleven a.m. or something. Oh yes, this is true. This is very true. Um, but yeah, that's that's a good fight, man. That's a good fight. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. You want to see Zombie be able to walk off on his own terms and not, you know, not to say Max Holloway can't beat him up and finish him, but. I think they're well matched, and so it's going to be a back and forth as opposed to a total domination, which is good. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that makes it a really fun one. Um, stylistically, I think they have a lot they could bring out of each other. Um, finally, we have uh, in Paris, Cyril Gan returns to take on Sergei Spivak. Uh, so, funny story Sergei uh, is the boyfriend and in the corner of Marina Moknatina, who fought um, this past week in PFL. Um, interviewed uh, Marina got to Sergey was her translator uh, throughout <laughs> the week. Um, he obviously is the one who tipped everybody off that John Jones was in fact in Atlanta and you know posted a picture with them. So we're waiting for his scrum and you know by now we all saw that he ran into John Jones and I asked him in front of everybody like hey Sergey, did you ask John for advice about fighting Cyril Gunn? Oh, everyone started laughing, and he's like, nah, he's he's good guy, he's cool. And then, did he tell you, hey, first round guillotine, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was laughing, he's like, yeah, yeah, he told me I'm good. That's you know, funny. good stuff. Um, Look, obviously Cyril has something to prove back at home, right? And I, th- I do acknowledge, good for him that he gets that main event spotlight. He is the most high-profile Frenchman in UFC. I'm glad that they, you know, acknowledge him with the main event in that way. That being said, Sergey Spivak is on a roll. I mean, if it wasn't for this dude named Pavlovich, he'd be the best Sergey in the UFC right now. Um, and it, when you look at it, you got to think maybe Sergey feels like he's getting a high-level striker like Cyril at a great time. And then for Cyril Gan. Does that energy at home and what you imagine has to be a serious reinvention back to the lab kind of deal these last few months, is that enough to carry him past a dangerous guy like Spivak? And, you know, look, high stakes. Will we get John in Stipe November, December? Does John retire? Does John win? Does Stipe win? Does Tom Aspinall win over Marching Tybura? You know... Could we get a Sergey versus Sergey, you know, vacant title fight? All of these things are on the table. And I think that this fight happens at a great time for everybody involved. So long story short, I think it's good. I like that both men are getting that main event spotlight with a full crowd. 
Um, no notes. I just like it. What about you? Yeah, I love it. This is a great fight. A lot of pressure for Cyril Gon, though, to remind everyone what a badass he is. That, you know, the John Jones thing, it is what it is, okay? And But Spivak, man, I mean, he, I feel like he's the scariest dude in the division right now. And so... More than Pavlovich. Uh, maybe it's a tie. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, because I'm like, if Sergey started getting people out of there faster, I'd say, bro, we just need to have the Battle of the Sergeys. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, it's a tie. And, but, no, but, no, I, I acknowledge it. He is looked so great it's like he's just hitting his stride unexpectedly it's great for spivak i agree with you and so you know just these two names together i'm like ooh, that's a tough night for gone honestly that's how i'm thinking about it uh and in paris this is one of those things where you either pull a Derek lewis and lose in your city every time because it's too much pressure oh god or you <laughs> rise to the occasion like bisping and and pimblet and everybody that has done so and they've been able to do so so We'll see, man, but it's a good fight for sure. Well, remember, Gon did win last year in Paris, so he, it's, he doesn't have that juju on him like Derek does. You're right, that's right. I, I, I get what you're saying, though. I get what you're saying. Look, a great time. It's a good fight. Uh, like I said, I like it just objectively. I think it's great. Um, look, another packed weekend. Like I said, PFL back in action on Friday, but then Saturday, UFC returns to Jacksonville. They return to... You know, kind of like the base of operations on day one pandemic kind of deal at the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena. Um, been there, great energy, um, really warm. Um, Ubers cost me an arm and a leg. I felt like I'd have to take out a loan just to get anywhere in the city. But that was then, this is now. Um, look, uh, Ilya Tapuria, Josh Emmett. Objectively good fight. Coming off the loss to Yair, this is huge for Josh because I think that a win over a guy like Ilya propels him back upwards once again. Yeah. When you talk about Islam has plans at 55, a guy like Volk, if you get by Yair, if you're talking about proving you're still ahead of Max Holloway and just also keeping up with him tit for tat, taking out names, you're going to get a guy like Josh next. Which I think it's huge because Josh was obviously on a roll going into that loss to Yair. Then, obviously, Ilya. You know, th- this guy is looking like the next guy to kind of challenge the throne, right? Looks like, you know, give him a minute and he's going to be right up there with Max and Volk and Ortega and Yair. as like, no, this is one of the other elite featherweights in the world. Breath of fresh air. Exciting guy. Um, you know, just uh, speaks like multiple languages from Georgia, grew up in Spain, perfect English. All of this stuff comes together great for Ilya. You could tell UFC is pushing him for a reason. All of it, it stylistically, it's a great fight. Well-roundedness, physicality for Josh. Uh, Got to think the wrestling's out there. More speed and explosiveness. I'd even say a little bit of a flow. I think that Josh is a very conventional striker. Conventional in that traditional you know, has some hands, stocky, Uh grappling, you know, kind of like from that original, like, template of an MMA fighter. Yeah, yeah. Ilya's got more of that flow. He could grapple, but he's also so comfortable, like, as a striker and kickboxer. And the speed and the youth is there for Ilya. 
makes for a very fun fight makes for potentially back and forth a lot of action five rounds what do you got yeah, you're right, though, that Josh Emmett has that old school, like, uh, Chad Mendes, alpha male style, you know? Yes. Which, which is pretty much what that style is. Um, he still has the danger in the right hand, but he was just owned by Yaya Rodriguez, right? Not even a chance. So I think he's up against a similar challenge here in that Ilya Tapuria, well, by no means a Yaya Rodriguez, but still uh, closer or on the flow chart than Josh Emmett you know he's like further away from that old school style than Josh Emmett is but you know not all the way over like Yari Rodriguez is all that is to say I think Josh Emmett might have peaked already and this is the downward swing of of his you know journey which you know not knocking him not saying he doesn't have a chance I just think he'll be overwhelmed by Ilya Taporia in general now if Josh Emmett can take it down to the canvas I'm not so sure what would happen there. Um, but I think, in general, this is going to be Tapuria's night. And, ah, man, could Josh Emmett land that big overhand knockout? Sure, but I don't think Tapuria's going to be standing there for it. So I'm going to say Tapuria by decision, five rounds. You know, it, it's so easy to kind of get caught up in recent performances. Mm-hmm. What Ilya did to, I believe this is his first fight since Bryce Mitchell in December. Obviously, Josh did not deliver up to what we expected against Yair, but he's still a solid contender. Honestly, like, because, you know, I feel like, you know, recently, you know, like that stuff, like Marvin Vittori, oh, well, he's got this. This should be mm-hmm. what gets it. I feel like I want to say the same thing. The speed and just like that stride right now for Ilya gets him past a guy at this point in his career in Josh. Um, for his sake, I do hope that Josh delivers and he's able to string it together and really push a guy like Ilya. But I just think that stylistically, Ilya just has weapons that provide a lot of problems for a guy like Josh Emmett right now. And I actually think he's going to get the finish probably in like the second or third. I'm going to roll the dice, say third round, TKO. He's going to break him down a bit, zig instead of zag, and he's going to get the finish of Josh. Okay, I like it. Let's go from there. Yeah, so um, obviously, you know, look, you got uh, Amanda Hibas, Macy Barber. You got a good heavyweight fight, Austin Lane, Justin Taffa. They're going to bang. David Onama, Gabriel Santos, another banger. Um, so good night of fights over there in Jacksonville. ABC card, so it's going to air early on the West Coast, even early also on the East Coast, so good time for you guys. Um, just good stuff. And next Saturday, I really want to get your thoughts before we close the show. Sean Strickland versus our buddy Abus Magomedov. What are your thoughts on oh. this one? <laughs> Well, you know, Sean Strickland is always a, a, a surprise. You never know what you're going to get. Is he going to stand there and uh, get knocked out or stand there and knock somebody out? So, um, I don't know, man. This is <laughs> Like Forrest Gump's box of chocolates, isn't he? <laughs> you never know what you're going to get, sir. No idea, but I'm looking forward to it. You know, at the very least, the, the pre-fight uh, content from Sean Strickland is always entertaining. Yeah, I feel like... For some reason, I feel like I have, maybe it's just because, like, I don't know, Sean Strickland, uh, kind of, 
I'm not, I'll say right now, I don't know that I actively seek out his clips. You know, I know he does a bunch with Schmo and he has a show with Chris Curtis now. Um, I respectfully will say that, uh, you know, like, I haven't heard what he's had a lot to, uh, to say about Abus. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to lie. I kind of want to see Abus Magomedov just shock everybody. Be like, I know you guys didn't really know who I am. I hope he starts coming out and talking trash. I hope he gets in his face. I hope he comes out of there and he makes Sean Strickland go, what the heck is going on? I think nothing would make next week more entertaining than to have that for about four days before the fight. That would be amazing. Anyway, um, look, obviously we'll get into that. I think we're all going to get introduced to somebody either, you know, potentially big deal or, you know, the Sean Strickland show continues. So we'll see from there. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Remember, like, comment, and subscribe. We'll be back next week.